Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Nungabuja. Today's guest is the androgynous altruist of burlesque, a lover of alliteration and the art of the tease. They have been performing since 2012 and have been described as the reason Nerdlesque became a respected and popular variant of burlesque in Perth. They've travelled to perform in the US, Canada and all across Australia, also previously producing the events Teasing Talkies and Live Nerds, 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 which I feel like is how you have to say it, within Perth. In 2017 until 2022, they were a member of the Australian Burlesque Museum, being promoted in 2020 to the role of Secretariat. They've been institutional in teaching performers how to research your act, which seems like a sensible concept, I know, but apparently is incredibly difficult. (laughs) Not a part of the bio, just a line I thought I'd throw in. (laughs) Across Australia, receiving the honour of teaching the class in 2021 as a part of the online portion of BurleyCon, the world's only burlesque educational convention in Seattle, USA. With a Bachelor of History and Anthropology at Curtin University in hand, their next dream is to create a movement where performers are empowered to create their own history and prefer, preserve the history they honour. I almost got through that. I will edit out my mistakes. I I'm, of course, talking to Dolla Dazzler. How are you? Hi, everyone. Hi, Aria. It's such a pleasure to be on here. I am so excited to be talking <laughs> to you. Once again, one of the people that I have seen in and around the scene and just be like, hello, hi, I need you on the show. And then we do it again and we do it yeah. again. And then eventually our neurodiverse brains meld into going, we should actually do it. Yeah. What if we stop saying it? Yeah, let's <laughs> actually do something about it. I, we keep I'm, about. I'm amazing at, at catching people and going, I want to do things with you. Mm. It's then the, uh, okay, now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially when you both agreed. You go, hi, I really like you and I want to do things with you. Yes, I really like you and I want to do things with you too. Good. And then you just both yeah. leave. And yep. it's like, well, hang on, if we had any follow through on you. <laughs> both of us, imagine if dating worked like that. You'd just be like, yeah. I would like to date you. I would also like to date you. All right, goodbye. And then you just leave. But then Tinder and Bumble and like dating apps like that, just they wouldn't have a, a they wouldn't have business anymore. They wouldn't have any draw at all because, yeah, their whole business is just structured on being like, I like you, I also like you. Cool. Just blocked. Cool. (laughs) Good. Good. Well, as much as I want to dissect the art of the dating apps, Mm, I do really want to ask you, why burlesque history? Um, That is a really good question. Uh, When... uh, I'm I'm very good at talking in anecdotes, so you're going to get a lot of anecdotes I today. I love that so much, <laughs> and it might be a reason why I'm drawn to you. I'm just like, I would like analogies, metaphors that are mixed up and make mm-hmm. no sense. Let's just do it. If you've ever seen a QI and there's that guy, Nigel, that they always yes. hold on and he always does an anecdote, I am, he's literally, in. we are both just, we, I get him <laughs> and I'm sure he would get me, mm-hmm. but um. When I was in boarding school, 
uh, in year 12, I regularly got the Clio and the Cosmo mags just as something to read because mm-hmm. there wasn't internet uh, in the boarding houses. Were you in one of those boarding schools where they'd ripped out the sealed section and put it in the bin or did you still get to have the sealed section? Oh, no, we got to have the sealed section. Oh, so God, that was that yes. was great. That's the best part. <laughs> but, it was all, but it was also like if you wanted to put it out on the coffee table for all the other girls, you kind of had to pull it out and then if they wanted to watch it, just like, yeah, I'll hook you up. Yeah, but, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's like tobacco in prisons. <laughs> yeah, it, the I, it was always interesting for that uh, – diverging. Uh, I was in uh, year 11, the only year 11 girl who had, because I identified as female at the time, uh, who had lost their virginity. So I got a lot of sex questions. Oh, I was a you were Cleo. I, I, was, I was the human dolly doctor. Wow. In a sense. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was Ask that. Dazzler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what happened was that there was an article in one of them. I think it was Cosmopolitan in 2004. And they were talking about uh, crazy pageants that happen. And one of them was about Miss Exotic World. Ah. And it was the year Dirty Martini won God, in 2004. Yes. And as soon as I saw Dirty, in, I was just like, oh, my God. We're allowed to do that? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, because I'd seen pictures of Dita and mm. I love Dita because mm-hmm. I'd love corsetry ever since I saw Moulin Rouge yep. in like when I was 15. That yep. was my. Like the Moulin Rouge or, <laughs> no, or the movie? The, the, the Nicole Kidman. Oh, great. Yes. No, that's like, that's a great <laughs> touchstone for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As soon as I, as soon as I saw Moulin Rouge, I was like, I'm going to be this. I'm going to wear corsets all the time. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Uh, and then I saw a documentary about how they hurt themselves, like doing the can-can and they'd like yeah. really badly bruise their legs Oof. from doing that. I'm like, mm, maybe not so much, <laughs> but still love the concept. And so I kind of forgot about it until I moved to Melbourne. Mm. And uh, that's when uh, I stumbled across it again where they, I think a modesty blaze who uh, a modesty blaze is not a name that I know, which is very annoying. She's, she's great. She's, she's toured Australia before she won in 2007. Okay. And uh, she is one of, I think one of the only UK winners of this Ah, exotic world. And uh, she's, Stunning, curvaceous. She married the personal assistant of the Prince of Monaco. So now she lives okay. in Monaco. Okay. She wrote burlesque uh, whodunner novels, aka like Gypsy Rose Lee kind oh my of goodness. thing. Wow. Uh, but that was the first time that I saw an article start going in depth about what Miss Exotic World does mm. and that and their history collation. And I'd I was in university at that point. I was studying to be a professional artist in Melbourne at Swinburne University. Mm-hmm. And uh, I already was starting to go towards history and entertainment history in yeah. that. I'd already started to feel the natural pull uh, towards it. Mm. And then when I found out this story about what – 
the Miss Exotic World pageant does and the Exotic World revival and the museum mm. in the US, I was like, this is... Something there, yeah. This this feels, this this really feels like something I need to talk about that I want to look into, that I want to find their stories. Mm. And uh, I feel really like I can feel the shivers down my back talking about it because... I just, I just love the story so much and the stories that people have from that time, you've got to remember how cyclical history is. 100%, yeah. It is so cyclical. It goes around in circles and what you are seeing now is the reason they call it the neo-revival because this neo-revival started in the 90s and in a sense we're in another revival of the neo-revival because (laughs) yeah yeah, then the second wave like second wave feminism except I don't think we're going to be as exclusionary as second wave feminism. Yeah not my favorite wave of feminism. (laughs) No definitely not (laughs) but that came out, but Neo Bellesque also came out as a response to second wave feminism. Of course. Because yeah. it came out in the 90s. It came out during the Betty Page mm. and when you started seeing the revival of those silhouettes from Dior mm. and Galliano. So there was a whole countercultural movement about it. And even Burlesque in its own time period in the 1920s, in a the times when it was not considered striptease in burlesque halls in America and the UK. It has always been about countercultural movements. Mm. And uh, I personally love countercultural movements. I think one of the reasons that I moved to Perth originally in uh, 2009, 2010, was that I had heard that there was an amazing goth scene, there was an amazing Mm. alternative scene Mm -hmm. in Perth. And even though I wasn't goth per se, I still related to, hey, there's something happening that's countercultural here and uh, that fascinates me and it's been really good. Like, Burlesque has been really good to me in in Perth. Uh, I've I've been very lucky. I may not have been with a troupe or I may not have been picked up or won awards or anything like that. But I've still had the space here Mm, mm -hmm. to just kind of try things. Yes, which is like half the battle, isn't it? It's trying and and space to fail and space to mess up. Yeah, exactly. And I have failed a lot. Oh, we love a failure. Like like teasing talkies was such a failure. Do you think? How come? Okay, so the, the main thing here that comes with it, and this is, People get scared about talking about this, but I'm not afraid to talk about it. I am taking, I am reclaiming. It's one of my favorite things, yeah. Talking about money in arts Mm -hmm. because uh, it is a really hard thing for people to do. Yep, it sure is. It is is, uh, really hard for anyone to talk about money. You're not, you're taught not to talk about how you make your money. You're not taught, you're taught not to talk about how much you're getting paid at work mm. by other people, which is how we've gotten a gender disparity. Yeah. But it's also something that was written into a lot of contracts for a really long time. It's like, yeah. we'll give you a fee, but you can't tell anybody else what your fee is, which isn't even legal now. Yeah, exactly. They've yeah. changed the laws on yeah. that, which is amazing. Yeah. And we don't also have a tipping culture here, which mm. the US 
very much do when performing mm. uh, over in the US because obviously there's a different way that they tax and yeah. things like that. But what I'm saying is that teasing talkies was a great idea because it was essentially video club and I put it on in a beautiful like little mini theatre and it was called like the Jaffa Room and it was in nice. near where Bobby's Pole used to be in that oh, part of Northbridge. Cool. The problem is, is that because it was an independently private event place, it cost more to charge people tickets than what it would for them to go see something at Hoyt's Uh, or Village Cinemas or something like that. Mm. So it turned out that it wasn't that financially feasible, Mm. but... People loved the idea. People loved it, the idea of getting to see these uh, documentaries, getting to see them on a big screen mm. rather than just looking at them on like your laptop totally, or something yeah. like that. And uh, and the people that you get to meet because if you all have like this interest and this drive to go mm-hmm. to an event like that, then chances are you got other stuff in common too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things as well that – the more you put out stuff, the more you connect mm-hmm. with the, with fellow performers. One of the things that was really great when I started, even though it was a free gig and the, the like, Burley Unplugged, which started in 2013, it started up at Lazy Susan's Comedy Den. Mm-hmm. Um, weird stage. Yeah, <laughs> really weird stage. Weird. Well, I mean, great to do comedy sets on. <laughs> great. Oh, yeah, but to try and take your clothes off on, yeah. yeah um, and the way that the seating is set out is if you go anywhere near the floor, there's just mm-hmm. a guarantee that 50% of your audience just won't see what you there, do. There is definitely the amount of times that I've nearly fallen backwards <laughs> through that door yep. while taking off my clothes. Yep. Definitely happened more than a few times. Talk about an exit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – when it was run, it ran every month. Didn't matter what was happening. Didn't mm. matter if there was only three people in the crowd and the other performers. Five bucks entry. Mm. People got to throw, if I'm allowed to swear, throw, do. throw shit against the wall. Yeah. And I think I created like in 12 months, I think I created eight new acts that I just did on that stage. But I was just playing with the ideas of what Mm. nerdless could be. I did a Tomb Raider act. I did an all of the slave girl act. (laughs) Uh, I did, uh, I did the first iteration of what was at one stage, my signature act, which was my tribute to William Shatner. Mm -hmm. I uh, did so many different things and other performers did that as well because it was a chance to tread the boards yes yeah it was literally yeah yeah and that's what I always think is a good idea give people give more people the chance to connect uh, give more people the chance to say oh we have that in Perth Mm, mm -hmm. we have that and I think the more that we do that and the more that we also work together on creating those spaces, I get it. There are some people that you do not want to talk with. (laughs) There are some people that you do not want to work with. Yep. That like it happens. I know there are people who probably never want to work with me again. I know that there are people I never want to work with again. I uh, get it. But if you find a good group of people and you all go, hey, 
let's all pitch in like 150 bucks each. Mm-hmm. That way we can pay a bunch of really good performers to come do our show, get people in the door, mm-hmm. and then we can start doing shit. And then we can start having conversations. Yeah. The more that we collectivize, because I love socialism, mm-hmm. uh, but the more we collectivize on this, the more I see success. Completely. And it can't just be like if we're going to continue with the socialist analogy, the way that we've currently got it sort of seems in like a not it's like a weird handing back and forth of the same money that I know I talk about a million mm. times on this show is that we just continually go like I was in the audience last week and this week I'm performing and if you're it you need to be in the audience this week mm-hmm. and the next we'll just keep swapping back and forth and then congratulations no one's moving up our audiences and expanding their minds because our audience is the same people from last week and well, in two weeks it'll be the same people again but like yeah. we just continue this kind of circle jerk yeah it <laughs> is of money and that's and that's the thing I and I understand that. Mm. I get it. We like to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. We one of the things that I know I struggle with, and this is me getting personal mm. as not just dollar, but as me as a person, is I have a lot of social uh, awkwardness. It has made me uh, very hard to talk to sometimes, and I am aware. I also own that. However. It doesn't mean that because I have that, I don't want to talk. And uh, yes, we should we should be saying, "Hey, come sit with me." Mm. Hey, I'm more than just the person that you see and have a parasocial relationship on social media with. Mm like to say hello to people even <laughs> even though I'm weird I like saying hello to people's partners because I get how hard it is for a partner to be there to be standing there awkwardly and going hey did you guys all like my partners it like is, yeah. yeah or like did you like yeah. seeing the rhinestoning that I helped do with them yeah I partners are there to support, we should all be welcoming of everyone. Totally. And yeah. we we say that, but I guess I'm saying I want to see in arts communities more practising what we preach because mm, yeah. we see that we want to have more POC performers, more Indigenous performers, mm-hmm. more neurodiverse performers I don't see those people in upper spots in places where they are visible. Mm. We may see them in little shows, but we're not seeing them in visibility. Kitty Obsidian is a great example of a visible, Mm. uh, diverse person. And I love the work Kitty is doing. Mm. I, They've okay. come over to Perth so many yeah, times. And, oh, my gosh. And yes, and I keep missing them. Mm. And I love seeing what they do and I love seeing how they create and talk to the community. I I just I love seeing people go, hey, I want to try. Even if it fails, 
I want to try. Totally, yeah. So I'm I'm going to be a million times more supportive of someone who tries and fails mm. because I get it. Completely. And I, just to drag you back to yeah. historical, like this cyclical oh idea my God. of history. Because <laughs> it's where we started and I think mm-hmm. that you've gone on like this fantastic journey with us of talking about like people trying things and, and failing and this idea. Mm-hmm. Do we think that like we're in a space currently – in Perth where we're afraid of that sort of failure? Is that a part of our cycle, do you think, like from your knowledge? I think it's not just a, a, it's not just a Perth arts thing. It's mm-hmm. a general arts yeah. in, in general because when you're in economic uh, hardship, mm. it makes it hard. But also when we're desperate, that's when some of the best work comes out. Yeah. You see in things like the 1930s that there was a change in the way censorship was for burlesque performers in America mm-hmm. especially. That's when they started shutting down in New York. But you also saw how they started going into carnival circuits. Yeah. So that way they could still work. The 30s was when Sally Rand uh, did the Lady Godiva and got naked on a horse Mm. in World's Fair in Chicago to spruik. People will do what is necessary when times are tough. It's interesting. I think we all see more diversity in desperate times as well. I mean, think mm-hmm. of the Weimar Republic. Yeah. Literally in between two wars, like stuck oh where they've God. lost all of their funding, all of their everything. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most diverse art spaces, mm. honestly, ever. It's got the most queer and trans identifying people. It's got mm-hmm. like an incredible amount of POC people in the middle of Germany putting yeah. on big, huge, incredible shows. But also it was the most uh, sexually open because one of the Mm. ways people were even just getting money was that they would let people come to the door of their flat and watch them have sex Yeah, and just leave a little bit of money just so that way they could get it done. It it was a time of necessity. Yeah, It was also a time of expressing traumatic feelings post-war. You see things... Like the art of uh, what was really grotesque of essentially men murdering women mm. in uh, art and yeah. uh, that becoming a respected art form. Things like Hannah Hoch, which Jesus. is her Dadaism got, and she was an openly gay woman mm. who uh, lived with her partner and was banned by Hitler. She had to flee for her life. Uh, she was creating Dadaism work and those beautiful collages of what consumerism is. Essentially what I'm saying is is that just because times are tough doesn't mean you should give up. Completely. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way the wheel turns. Mm. The wheel will always have that moment where you get crushed but then you're going to come back up and you're going to have a breath and uh, – you're going to be able to go, okay, here's how I can either get off the wheel or here's how I can cushion myself if uh, that wheel comes. Or the comes. next crush. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it, you can't let it be rosy all the time. And I know mm. that sounds very depressing, but 
I don't think life can be rosy all the time. And if you look for an art form to be the rosy, happy escapism, Mm. it's going to really hurt if you miss a gig or you don't get paid what you want because you're holding so much of your happiness being dependent Mm. on something instead of it being yourself. Can you tell I'm doing a lot of therapy at the moment? I love it. I think that I think that we're going to let that sit with people while we go to our first break. We have to. Yeah, let everybody absolutely. think about that for a hot second. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We're back. I'm still sitting across from Dilladales, and I hope you all had a good think about what we just. <laughs> <laughs> you think about what you've done, what you've done. <laughs> but also I hope you do think about what you've done because I'm sure it's been fantastic. Oh, that's a, such <laughs> good coughing over there in the corner. Oh no! <laughs> all right, part two of the lecture. Let's go. Oh my god! Uh, no, of course we're not really lecturing no. people, but I think there is so much to be gained from our history and something that really sparked a lot of little like neuro things in my brain going, oh my gosh, I love this in your bio is when you talk about paying homage and respect to our past whilst being able to move forward with who we are as performers. Can you help me dissect that a little bit? There's some good stuff in there and how do we apply it to the Perth art scene? Absolutely. So I guess one of the things is as as simple as it sounds, sometimes just doing a Google search. Sometimes just doing the simple Google search Mm -hmm. of what is going on Mm -hmm. and what is happening in events. Mm. There has been so many different event websites and event Facebooks. Mm. And the really great thing is, is that for the most part, Facebook is still a really good graveyard. It is. It is is a really good graveyard and essentially almost a a type of living archive for those who haven't deactivated their accounts. (laughs) And so you can find, if you get the algorithms right, things that have happened in the past, things that are going to happen in the future, things that that make you go, ah, one of the great things is that obviously there's the mixed burlesque 
competition mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah. Which good luck to all the performers. Unfortunately, I can't make it this uh, this time. It's the first one that I've missed since. Oh, no. 2010 when well, when it started. So I've been going to these since they first started. Mm. Uh, they have a they have a great history. Mm. They have they have a lot of things like uh, their articles that were in newspapers, performer bios, performer photos yeah. of what people did on mm-hmm. stage. You can see things like. Agatha Frisky doing her Groucho mm. like trash act, which yeah. is I loved it when I saw it in person. <laughs> it was so good. There was the original version of Kitty Litter doing her Never Had a Friend Like Me tassel twirl. Oh, yes. They were they were both in the same year. But there's also like a really comprehensive now, especially like YouTube page mm-hmm. of like every single act mm-hmm. that has graced that stage. Exactly. And uh, there's ways, one of the things that I always love doing when it came to the end of uh, mixed burlesque season every year is I would just find the channels and I would just look through mm. them all. I loved looking at what other people were doing. I loved seeing how people told stories, how people were expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest shifts for me was the first time I went over to the US, which was in 2014. I went over and I went in person to BurleyCon in Seattle and uh, I took over an act of mine, which is my tribute to Atari. It's my fan dance you know where the joystick is, is that if you've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's actually an act that for a while was refused to be booked in Australia. I got it more booked in America than the one I did in because Australia. Because the joystick? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, be- everyone, we said go online, do a simple Google. Go online, do a simple <laughs> Google. Find that joystick. Yeah, exactly. So, but one of the things that happened is that when I did it over there, I will always remember two acts from the night that I did that gig. The first one is of uh, my dear, dear friend, Carmel Knowledge, who is doing amazing work for uh, Black Mermaids and is, uh, even though this is not a sponsored podcast, she's (laughs) actually in uh, the new Netflix series about mermaids that they've just released. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) she does a pageant called Mermaid at Any Age. Ah. She is amazing. Please go follow Mermaid Tiva as well. Uh, But... I saw her do a Nick Fury act and she used, she used LED lights to do the terrace act and all this amazing stuff. Oh and I was just like, oh, my God. That sounds God. so ridiculous. I love you it. You need to be my friend. Kind <laughs> of thing. And the other one was I was sharing a dressing room with them. Their name is Siren Santina. And they were doing an act where they were Benjamin Franklin and to Benny and the Jets, she pulled out a Duna-sized picture of the American Constitution and started fucking it on stage. <laughs> and I was getting ready. I was wearing my strap-on joystick. Oh, I'd just seen her do that. And I was just like, oh, my God, you're amazing. She looked down at me and she's just like, Honey, you're amazing. <laughs> it was just one of those moments where you just, yeah. when you find your people like that, you just kind of go, oh, we get each other. Yeah. Oh, this is really nice. <laughs> I'm really glad that we get each other. 
Um, but again, that's what being open to finding people around you does mm. uh, because I made amazing friends like uh, uh, Saskia Demua, who won at Mixed Burlesque Iconic, Sa- yeah. South Australia. I met her because I saw her Darth Vader act that she did uh, mm. one year at the competition. And I said, how would you feel about coming over and doing Nerds at Fringe? Mm. And that was the first time she came to Perth. That was the first time that we met. We became great friends. And it was because I went out there and I looked and saw. Yeah, and there's like that added element of like Mm -hmm. when we talk about that simple Google search, Mm -hmm. the added element is you don't have to necessarily go to the US or be in South Australia to make these connections. Mm -hmm. The doom of social media is also its glory, which is your ability to connect with people. Exactly. And if you're feeling really uneasy about going to a show, Mm. you've got the opportunity to kind of watch. That's the great thing about Instagram stories. Yeah. Is that you do see Instagram stories of people going, oh, my God, look at this small clip of what I did. If you want to see the rest, you've got to come to the show. (laughs) But seeing that, you kind of go, oh, my God, that's what someone's doing. Mm. That's really cool. I could do something like that. Or I don't have to copy, but here's how I can uh, add to that conversation. So there's things like uh, Lotta L'Amour doing her recent Dyke on a Trike. Very funny. (laughs) So funny. Fuck me. The fact that I, the first time I saw a burlesque show was in 2006 in a lesbian bar called The Glass House in Collingwood in Melbourne. That's great. And the fact that I have not seen anything that gay (laughs) on stage since 2006, I'm just like, (laughs) why did it take so fucking long? Why? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really good. But there are ways to kind of go, hey, I want to make something really gay like that too. Yeah. I want to make something so fucking lesbian camp or lesbian butch mm. or something like that that is adds to that conversation about queer burlesque in, totally. in our scene. Yes. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but... One of the best things about art is that it is a conversation. Mm, yeah. It is always a conversation. And is this like around sort of the this sort of area? So I hear about it a lot, that sort of vibe where people get quite possessive of an idea or a concept or a character and that this isn't shouting out, like shitting on anybody in mm-hmm. WA specifically, but it's something that happens almost countrywide is that idea yeah. of like, ah, but I own Pippi Longstockings. And it's Mm. like, we can't own Pippi Longstockings. You didn't write the book. I don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that sort of like strange ownership where I love the way you're putting it of being like, you can still add to a conversation. Nobody said that your voice is invalid. Like, please add to this conversation. What have you got to say? Well, this is one of the things that I've seen as well is that like I spent a lot of my career doing copyrighted IPs and stripping (laughs) as them. Yeah. I don't own those. Mm-hmm. I own my version of it. Yeah. So if someone decided because there's my Incredible Hulk act, yeah. I love that act. It is a very personal and special act to mm-hmm. me. Uh, it... Uh, if someone did a version of that mm. and did a version of that to Radioactive by Imagine Dragons like I do, I would be like, 
okay, now we need to have a different type of conversation. Yeah, it's called, why don't you know how to use Google? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but there's people like Moisty Magic who she had a, oh, sorry, they had a She-Hulk yep. act and we were like, Dude, let's get let's get frisky and like do something with this sometime and get real because they're cousins. Let's get let's get weird. Let's get fucking weird. They, you can't own an idea. You can't. Mm. Sure, you can own a patent to something. Yeah, such as certain ways that. Feather fans are put onto a piece of metal or plastic. Or a shape like that. You can hear me roll my eyes currently. Yeah, like. I've, I've seen I've seen that argument uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Literally watched that happen almost in real time yeah. once. It it happens. The way my rhinestones line the inside of the you're like, oh, I'm gonna explode. I'm gonna explode. No, but seriously, because <laughs> it was a semicircle acrylic uh fan holder and someone else had made it but with a circle on the inside, therefore it was different. And at the same time, I've seen performers get sued by Harry Potter for putting on <laughs> a Harry Potter burlesque show and had it shut down. Mm. There are parody laws in the UK that make it very hard to do things like nerdlesque yeah. in the UK. We can't own an idea we can only own our version of it. And the more, that, the more that we hold on to this is my version of this because I've seen in the last probably five years alone at least six to eight Harley Quinn acts. Cool. They're all close to the same costume. Mm-hmm. They're all different yep. ways of doing mm-hmm. Harley Quinn and that's what makes it a conversation. The conversation here is a lot of women are looking up to Harley Quinn and the fact that she tells the Joker to fuck off from domestic violence. Mm -hmm. That is the conversation we should be having. The conversation of Harley Quinn is very gay for Poison Ivy Mm -hmm. and there is a great narrative that is slowly coming into pop culture as well about that too. That is the narr- That is the conversation and a much we should more be having. Interesting conversation. Then, oh, but my hair is blue and red, and your head hair is red and blue, and therefore we have to have a fight about what wig we're wearing. Like, I just don't find that conversation interesting. When you're totally right, the subtext there and the stories that we're telling there about domestic violence and and about queer culture and queer pop culture is so much more interesting. <laughs> at the end of the day, like, and excuse any of my assigned male at birth friends. Men are trash. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see someone beat up a, a like a conversation about how women are doing something amazing mm. on stage. And this is why I was attracted to burlesque as well. A lot of burlesque is women run. Mm. The ones that have not lasted in this industry, and I've seen it, <laughs> have been the ones that have been run by men. Mm. The neo-burlesque scene has been run by women and assigned female at birth people. They are the ones who have kept mm. it running since its inception. Yeah. We should be celebrating that. Totally. And I want another long silence to go there. Because <laughs> it's so good and so important. Um 
So I think not to just sort of come to some sort of like consensus here. Mm. I think that like, tell me that I'm wrong for paraphrasing you, of course. Of course. Uh, but if you have an incredible resource like your phone or like the internet and those are things that you have access to, mm -hmm. then you owe it not only to the rest of the people in your community but also to yourself and to the wonderful acts that you want to create to do a small bit of research, a small bit of Googling. And I'm not, research is probably the wrong word because research requires is, accreditation. But. It, well, you can if you want. One of the mm. things I love doing is accrediting mm. uh, work that I see and mm. accredit. I, I, when I make something, I want to tell people who helped me mm. because I'm not, I don't want to make it just about me and yep. what I'm doing yep. and that I was, if someone helped me with my choreography, even just to get my foot in a certain position, mm. I'm going to thank that person yeah. and I'm going to make sure it's publicly thanked because that also goes into history as well. People yeah. who helped those who got successful. Mm. There is a reason why people like, he passed away recently, uh, burlesque legend Big Carol. Mm. He was one of the, considered one of the first male burlesquers. He also made an amazing amount of costumes for Vegas showgirls wow, yeah. and for others. He is remembered just as much for his work and his costumes. Mm. People like Stitch Witch deserve their accreditation. Totally. People like Manouge deserve mm. their accreditation. People who even edit the music like Michael Wheatley in Sydney Minxie Milva does Min a lot of great editing. Minxie is somebody who will straight away be like, if you've got a yeah. word in your song that you don't find appropriate, if you're a white person and that song has the N-word, you bring that song to me and I will change it for free. That is amazing. That I was wondering who did that. I it's needed Minxie. to know that. <laughs> amazing. Yep. Fantastic. But the people who have been stage kittens or stage hands at shows, they are just as important. Mm. they are just as important for us to have the conversation and what they were doing and how they were reacting with the MC. Mm. Because one of the things that we do remember is how MCs introduce us, how our clothes are picked up mm -hmm. afterwards. That what, that's what takes a show from being like an A to an A plus and stuff as well for the experience of an audience member is like what happened between all of those acts and all of mm -hmm. that good stuff. That's what changes exactly. the entire vibe. Exactly. That's so what happens the the more it becomes about community mm. the more it becomes about sharing that's when it becomes more successful and uh, I've seen it become successful because yes there was time that in Perth that it was very this is my lane mm. this is your lane yeah and as soon as that changed, that's when it became even more successful for more people to come in. Yeah. And so I guess that's that's my ask of the community. Mm. You can do the hard thing. You can do the really hard thing and let people in and let people see your art, not just your mates. <laughs> You can let other people see your art because I guarantee even if you don't think it was good, at least one person is going to be fucking blown away yep. 
that you did it. Totally. Always without fail. And they're going to remember that. It's why I still remember my first burlesque show that I went to in 2006. And I still remember it vividly. Mm. Those type of moments matter. Yeah. Burlesque is socialism. End of show. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am all for the, the socialism. Arts socialism and the moment that we start treating it like it's this capitalistic nightmare is it just, it just falls apart. Cor- <laughs> it just falls apart. Look, I get it. The, the one thing that when it comes to corporations and things like burlesque, because, you know, there's the corporate shows, we're doing the smart thing mm. and taking the rich man's money. Oh, take it. <laughs> Like Get your it's, money. it's one of the things that I love is that I think I saw it on social media, but someone said shit on company time mm. because they are paying you to be there or they're underpaying you to be there. More likely, yeah. Shit on company time. Mm. Don't be afraid to shit on company time. Take the money. Take the donut. Take the money. Shit on company time. <laughs> and, and with that, we have to wrap up the show. <laughs> I love that. So everyone go do a big old poo. I hope you're listening to this on company time right now. Um, yes, please you. do. Thank you so much, Dollar, for joining me today. Do you have anywhere in particular you would like people to find you? Or they don't find you and instead do something else? What are you, what are you after? I think... Look, if you want to find me on Instagram, that's pretty much where I am at the moment. And I'm being only kind of talkative in my Insta stories. Mm, mm-hmm. I, just the way things are for me at the moment, which is not a bad thing. Mm. But if you do something for yourself today, go YouTube burlesque. <laughs> go put burlesque in YouTube and look for anything over five years old. And then, yeah. And if you find anything really, really awesome, put it on your Instagram stories, tag me in it. <laughs> I want to see it too. I guarantee, no matter how fucking weird it is, I want to see it too. I love that. There you go, everyone. There's a task for you there. You'll find homework. homework. Yes. Podcast homework. <laughs> You'll find all of um, Dollar's links in the show notes today. And as always, look, like, follow. I don't know what y'all do, but just you do it because it gets the podcast out to more people and I really appreciate it. Collectivize. <laughs> Collectivize, incentivize, socialize. Okay, at the end. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> that was That was really fun. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. Let's dive in. I want to talk to, uh, to you and officially. Yeah. officially. Not, yes. not officially. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.